0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello everyone, welcome to Adams on
1: Agriculture. Thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day as we kick off a new month. Well, I would like to say we hope April will be better than March, but it looks like it's going to be much the same. But to hopefully we'll make some progress this month in the fight against COVID-19. Hope you're safe and well. Be careful. Thank you for joining us on our program today. We'll talk with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. We'll look at our meat exports and if they're being impacted by COVID-19. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone, will join us to look at yesterday's USDA Planning Intentions Report and Stocks Report. And I'll have some thoughts a little bit later on on what I hope will be at least one of the lessons we'll learn COVID 19. But let's start things off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thank you for being with us. It must be a strange sight in Washington, D.C. Does it seem like a ghost town there right now?
2: It very much is a ghost town. If I drive down the major streets of Washington, I can park my car anywhere. Uh, the only thing that's open are the banks, the grocery stores, the hardware stores, and the drug stores. Um, otherwise there's just no business and of course now uh, Capitol Hill is closed down I mean you know uh, members of Congress who are in town uh, staff and journalists can still go there uh, but I presume that there are a few people up there I, ha- I haven't been up there I'm getting my information from watching television and of course from the flood of emails that I'm getting especially from all the Uh, farm groups and the uh, anti-hunger groups, um, everybody like that. Um, And now they're starting to hold uh, press conferences by phone and by webinar.
1: Just amazing how everything has changed. Uh, Of course, there's already talk about a fourth phase of a stimulus bill. The president talking about big dollars uh, for infrastructure. Maybe we'll finally get some uh, action and some movement on infrastructure.
2: Indeed. I think that's the most uh, hopeful thing that has happened, I suppose, besides the aid package that was passed last week. Now, House Speaker Pelosi and other Democratic leaders are going to hold a press conference today at 1130. It was so interesting to see that President Trump uh, said yesterday that he thought this was a good idea uh, because uh, the government can borrow the money at, at almost no interest. And there will be a lot of foreigners who would buy the what I suppose the bonds that would be issued for this or the the U.S. government debt um, because they want to put their uh, money in a safe place, which is the United States compared with everywhere else. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what goes on here. The uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi said that her priorities are uh, broadband. Uh, and uh, uh, surface transportation, and also roads and you know roads and bridges. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how this goes, especially since the Republicans have generally been they're, they're resisting the idea of a new package quickly, um, and also there have been differences between the Republicans and the Democrats on how to finance this.
1: Yeah, hopefully they can come together on that and get something done. Meanwhile, there are some in Congress that say we need more investigation into the cattle market and what's going on there.
2: Yes, Senate uh, um, Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley uh, said uh, yesterday um, that the uh, Justice Department and the Agriculture Department should be, uh, should be investigating this. Uh, and of course, you still have the divisions within the cattle industry over uh, what goes on here and what kind of policies there there should be. Um, uh, so uh, I'll be interested. You know, maybe finally this would cause some real investigation. In general, these things have gone nowhere in the uh, in the
1: past. Senator Grassley will be on with us on Monday. We'll talk with him about that, among many other issues. Uh, Jerry, there in Washington, D.C., uh, what's the situation like with grocery stores? Uh, are the sh- shelves saying stocked? Are people having any problems getting food?
2: No, in Washington, the grocery stores are stocked. When I've gone there, the only, the only things that I've found that you can't buy are uh, paper products and uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, but as far as food is concerned, uh, we've got everything. Uh, in, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went into a store where there, oddly they had no bananas. Uh, and, but the store uh, manager explained that the issue was uh, there was a shortage of drivers and, and uh, slowness in getting products and told me that I, what, something I didn't know, that bananas move faster in the produce section than any other item. Uh, but in general, I've been, able to find, uh, I've been able to find everything. And also, we have a lot of restaurants that are offering takeout food. I tend to part- patronize them because I want these people to be able to stay in business. And uh, I'm glad. I know they're not doing anything but breaking even, really. The odd thing is the, the hardware store down the street is, says its business is better than usual because – the um, uh, people are stir crazy and they're coming in to buy uh, plants and seeds and, and uh, they're also doing home projects. I, you know, I just planted flowers in my backyard because it's uh, uh, a good way to get physical exercise. I can't go to the gym. The gyms are closed. So about the only thing you can do is, is walk or run or, or do something like gardening.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, We talked about this a while back. wondered if uh, those in that plant business, would, uh, how they would fare this year, if people would be able to get out and buy. It sounds like they're going to get out and buy because they just want to be able to, as you said, do something in their own yards, get them outside. It must be strange to have the the mall and the Lincoln Memorial and those areas that are usually just so packed with people to see them uh, empty.
2: Yes, it is. Now, of course, people can still go down on the mall, just like they can go to the national parks. And our Rock Creek Park, which is our big park that goes through the city, that's open. Uh, I, you know, there is some pressure to close the national parks, uh, and uh, but I can't imagine it would be very difficult to close off all of this area in Washington. I'm not sure how you would supervisors I don't think you'd have enough police park police to be able to do that uh, and people have to be able to uh, to get outside and, and get exercise that's not such an issue in uh, in rural America uh, but it sure is in the cities
1: hey I go for a walk every night in my neighborhood it's been interesting I see people on the sidewalks and you see them on each side of the street to make sure they maintain their social distancing as they walk, but at least we're able to get out. Jerry, take care, be safe, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.
2: Yes, thank you, Mike. I'm here. Jerry.
1: Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, we're going to talk with the President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, Dan Hallstrom. What impact is COVID-19 having on our meat exports around the world? How does the Meat Export Federation uh, do market development work during uh, this pandemic crisis? We'll get updates on that. And a little later, we'll talk with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. His thoughts on the Planning Intentions Report Wow, came out big number on corn acres, 97 million. We'll talk about that later in the program. So stay with us, you're listening to AOA.
0: Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltema fungicide, swift activity with fast payback an expanded application window (sighs) makes life simple and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn swift, simple, secure Veltima fungicide call your BASF rep today always read and follow label directions Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on Agriculture now back to mike adams and we're joined
1: now by dan hallstrom president and ceo of the u.s meat export federation dan thanks for joining us hope you're well uh can you give us a an update and overview how is covid19 impacting our our meat exports around the world
3: uh good morning mike and thank you um yes um in this uncertain environment that we're in in the world uh with covid19 uh It's definitely not business as usual. Um, There's been an impact, you know, not only in the U.S., but globally. Um, And and while we've been dealing with it, we've been in the eye of the storm here in the U.S. for the last, at least the last 30 days. We've been in the eye of the storm in Asia since uh, early January. So uh, we've been seeing, you know, what's happening around the world. And, And the good news is in all of this that people are still eating. Consumers globally and in the U.S. are still eating. And uh, whenever there are challenges, and we have a lot of them right now, usually that results in, in some opportunities. And, and we have, I think, some good opportunities going on in, in, in the export markets, uh, especially in Asia. And uh, I'd like to give you a couple of examples. There's probably no bigger opportunity than we've seen in the last uh, 60 days in places like Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China and that's the emergence or further development of uh, these e-commerce online platforms, these delivery delivery platforms, and uh, they're absolutely booming uh, in Asia. They were booming before, more from an aspect of convenience, but now they're booming for other reasons. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, restaurants. You don't have people eating in restaurants, and uh, and they're doing takeout or whatever instead. And and we're seeing a lot of this, and it's been very successful throughout. Uh, throughout asia the other good news is that uh, we're on the other side of the mountain so to speak in asia and a lot of these countries that actually restaurants are starting to reopen in taiwan hong kong and china uh it's slowly reopening getting, it's not normal but it's it's on a trend line back to normal so so in that aspect even the food service area is seeing some uh some better signs as we move forward here
1: are, have there been any disruptions in the supply chain when it comes to, you know, workers, whether unloading ships or uh, anywhere else in that, in that supply chain? Has, has that been a problem?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, Mike, and something that we're watching very closely. Um, I would say back in January, or I should say in February around Chinese New Year, that uh, there, there was some disruption. Some of it was normal. Because during Chinese New Year, the, basically a week that they take off in, in Hong Kong, China, and Taiwan, uh, you know, you usually you don't close the ports, but you usually have a skeleton crew, and and uh, and the, the flow of cargo is much reduced. Well, this year, with Chinese New Year basically being extended by two extra weeks by the government, uh, that slowdown lasted nearly a month, and uh, it did back up cargo to some extent. That being said... Um, As we got into later into March and now we're April 1st, I'd say virtually all the ports uh, uh, in China especially are are back to normal or virtually back to normal in terms of uh, flow of cargo. But you bring up a good point. We need to be watching other markets that are now getting into – uh, COVID-19, you know, Japan's starting to see more cases, and uh, we're watching this very closely. But but outside of that example in China, there's been minimal disruptions, at least so far.
1: We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, yesterday we talked with Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and he expressed concerns about what kind of a beef export year it's going to be. He said there was so much optimism of a huge year when the year started, and now that's that's dramatically changed. What do you think we might see? We'll start with beef uh, as far as export numbers this year now.
3: Yeah, we're still uh, – yeah, I share the same concerns. Um, but but I think in total, we're still looking at it, an optimistic year Um uh, more than likely record-breaking. Uh, two years ago was our last record, and uh, in 2019 wasn't far behind that. So, yeah, we're looking at something along the lines of 4 to 5% growth for the year. Um, but suffice it to say, it won't be normal. I mean, we're going to see shifts in consumption. So, obviously, the food service sector is being hit hard, but retail's booming. Uh, same thing that's happening in the States. But we've seen it now for several months in Asia, and uh, and the online platforms, that business will be booming. Um, so, you know, there's some shifts going on. And as I said, I think uh, I think people are, are, are definitely still eating. But but the way they're eating and the, and the, and the venues that they're eating here are, are switching uh, dramatically.
1: Is there a big difference in prospects for beef, pork, poultry? Does one look better than the other or how do you see it this year?
3: Well, I think um, the thing we have to remember, I think as far as the U.S. is concerned year on year, pork will probably be bigger. Um, we're, we're estimating 20 to 25 percent growth uh, on pork, a lot of that being to China. And of course, China uh, still, once the dust clears on, on the, uh, the health side with the, with the coronavirus issue or starts to clear, the reality is that we're still short protein you know, you have roughly 25% of the world's hogs um, have disappeared year on year due to African swine fever in China. Uh, You know, pick a number, 40 to 50% of the herd uh, has been compromised. And, and, you know, that that translates into somewhere into 20 20 to 25% of the world's hogs. So uh, from a total protein supply availability, globally, we are short. And I think uh, all things being equal and all things are not equal right now, but all things being equal on the supply and demand side of things, uh, short, short protein in total should mean uh, increased demand uh, for U.S. products, both on beef and pork. And we're, as you know very well, we're, we're looking at record production this year in the U.S. So I think the U.S. is well positioned to supply some of these shortages around the world later this year.
1: How do you at USMEF from a staffing standpoint, how do you do your market development work with a pandemic like this going on?
3: Well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, We've got offices in 18 regions around the world, and uh, depending where you're at in the pandemic pandemic cycle, um, we have offices, uh, well, Korea, for example, is similar to here where everyone's working from home. Uh, Businesses are... Shutdown or minimized is key and essential, similar to here. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in, in, in our meeting here, um, you look at Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China, all of our staff is back to work. Um, the business is, for the most part, back to work. It's a slow, steady rebound that's starting to happen in those countries. So it's a very fluid situation around the world. But activities are ongoing. Um, We just had a a really big uh, promotional activity on pork in China and Hong Kong uh, two weekends ago that went uh, very well. Uh, We are starting to roll out beef and pork activities for April, our spring campaign in Japan. So suffice it to say, the way we're doing business is a little different, but still the business for the most part is getting done and, uh, and we're adapting like everybody else is. We're adapting around the world. Uh, to uh, to the situation that we're
1: in. You reference this, but I, I think what we kind of do, we look at these other countries that have gone through this ahead of us and kind of see the progression in those countries and kind of see if maybe that's going to apply to us as far as... Uh, the peak in the cases and then uh, the rebound from and things like that. There's been a lot of speculation. How do you restart the economy? And is it going to be all at once uh, or is it going to be gradual? It sounds like, especially when you're talking restaurants and food sector, that's going to be a, a gradual uh, process uh, to get that back.
3: Yes, I think it will be. And I think uh, on food service, what we're seeing in Taiwan and Hong Kong are good examples. It depends on what part of food service. Uh, if you're looking at restaurants in malls, for example, where you're very tightly uh, where there's a lot of close contact, uh, those restaurants are starting very slowly, as you might imagine. But if you look at restaurant concepts in suburban areas of, of Taipei or, or Shanghai or wherever, um if you have an open air area that has more space maybe a patio where people can more easily socially distance those those uh, restaurants are seeing better activity so you know i think it just depends uh, on what part of food service you're talking about the other part of food service that's booming in asia is the quick serve uh, you know the drive up windows the uh, the home delivery from quick serve the very affordable quick meals um And some of the you may not remember this, but one of the concepts that was very popular um, prior to all this back in 2019 was single person restaurant venues where people go in alone. And those Hmm. obviously are booming now because it's easier to social distance.
1: Well, Dan, good, good information, good perspective. Thank you very much. Stay safe, say, say well, and we'll be in touch. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike.
1: Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Up next, Arlen Suderman with INTL-FC Stone. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Weeds
4: want to restrict your freedom and crush the spirit of your soybeans. Never fear. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of superior weed control is here with Liberty Herbicide. Stand proud with greater application flexibility, unmatched convenience, and excellent performance combined with the Liberty Link, Liberty Link GT27, and Enlist E3 trait systems. And it has no known resistance in U.S. row crops. Talk with your BASF rep or authorized
0: retailer about Liberty Herbicide. Always read and follow label directions. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures at the Board of Trade fell in overnight activity amid warnings from the president yesterday that the death toll from coronavirus could hit roughly 100,000 to 240,000 people in the U.S. before the pandemic subsides. That prediction spooking markets across the board, many investors flocking into the U.S. dollar as a safe haven benchmark oil prices again testing 18-year lows reached earlier this week, funding pressures in the dollar market showing signs of further easing after the fed said it would allow foreign central banks to convert their holdings of treasury securities into dollars. For the grain and oil seed sector, an hour into the day, may soybeans down 14 at 872, november down 9 868 and a half may corn down a nickel at three thirty five and three quarters december down eight at three forty nine and a half chicago wheat new crop july five fifty four and three quarters down seven and three quarters kansas city july down six and a half at four ninety three minneapolis spring wheat nearby may down six and three quarters at five thirty two and a half september at five fifty and three quarters down six cents lean hog futures opening limit lower at midweek April down three dollars at forty nine twenty. Live cattle April down three dollars thirty seven cents at ninety eight forty five. Feeder cattle April contract down four dollars twenty five cents one seventeen sixty seven. May feeders at one eighteen forty down four and a half dollars. The Dow down six hundred thirty two. Nasdaq down two hundred two. S and P down eighty. May crude oil at twenty thirty seven a barrel down eleven cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: And we're joined now by Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL, FC Stone. Arlen, thank you for being with us. Uh, Let's start with the USDA Planning Intentions Report yesterday. Big corn number, 97 million acres. Were you surprised?
4: Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I know that there were expectations early on this winter that we could see numbers that high, um, but seem, think, things seemed to moderate since then. And I know that a lot of the pressure and the collapse of the ethanol industry happened after the survey, but I still felt like we probably pulled that number down below that number by the time the survey was taken. And uh, even lower than that after the survey was taken, but that was a surprise. I think it was at the top end of the trade expectations. I think only one person was even close, and they were still below that.
1: Well, as you said, already some things have changed, and of course, weather will still have a big uh, part to play in this. So, do you think we'll probably come in under that 97 million?
4: Yeah, I absolutely do. Now, how far, uh, like you said, weather's going to play into it. I think one of the things that we see is, first of all, in the core of the Midwest, there will be some shifting, but most farmers feel like they have their best opportunity to yield their way out of the hole with corn rather than soybeans. Um, So they'll tend to stick with the rotations and not deviate too far. As you get toward the outside edges of the Midwest, Um, that's where the margin for risk is a little bit steeper or a little bit tougher. And so they'll be looking at their other alternatives, pushing the pencil. Those alternatives will vary depending on where you're at. None of the alternatives look real good. um, But I do think that we will see an increase in soybean acres um, and uh, also probably quite a few cotton acres that will be changed over to soybeans as well. So it looks like a bearish outlook for both corn and soybeans right now.
1: Certainly not good news uh, for farmers. Eighty-three and a half million Uh, on beans. Do you think we'll come in at, above, or below that?
4: Uh, Above that. uh, Obviously, weather's a factor. I know there's one estimate I saw that was below 80 million, and I just do not see that happening unless we have a repeat of last year's weather problems. Now, is that a possibility yes it is uh... the midwest is w- certainly wetter this year than it was a year ago at this time the rains are not forecast to be as heavy as they were last year but they wouldn't need to be but i i think to say a repeat of last year Uh, would be a bold statement right now, and I don't think that we're facing that kind of risk. I think that we're probably looking at soybean acres ending up at this point, and it's going to be a moving target, but I'd feel comfortable with anywhere between 85 and 87 million acres
1: right now, which certainly gives us a pretty good surplus supply. And 44.7 million on wheat, what do you think of that?
4: Well, that was actually a little bit above where my estimate is at. I think they're still a little bit high on their winter wheat acres, but, uh, um, it, and certainly below what the trade expected. Uh, the Durham acres came in below what I expected, and I think we'll pick up quite a few of those Durham acres again. Durham prices are pretty hot right now. May pick up a few spring wheat acres, but not many. It's pretty close to where we expected that to be.
1: Anything stand out to you in the stocks numbers? Yeah,
4: certainly the corn stocks number, it certainly surprised the trade. And as if, if you look at all these stocks numbers, corn, soybeans, and wheat, I had either the closest estimate or, very, or right next to the closest estimate on all three. And, and the corn stocks estimate really confirmed what I'd been saying for months about the 2019 crop that it was smaller than what the USDA was saying. Once we put it in the bin with a wet, low-test weight crop, we're going to have higher shrinkage in the bin and higher feed usage to compensate for the lower energy and protein content. That is playing out right now. And so I think we're going to continue to see that confirmed in the June 30th and the September 30th stocks reports for corn.
1: We're talking with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL-FC Stone. Arlen... We know this is a tough time for the ethanol industry, some plants shutting down, cutting back. What impact are we seeing uh, throughout the market now with them buying less corn? Well, it certainly has collapsed
4: both the futures and the basis. And just as we've been talking, the new DOE report came out showing fuel ethanol dropping to 840,000 barrels per day on average last week down from uh 1.05 1.005 million the previous week so we're continuing to see this big shutdown and what we're anticipating we're looking at the gasoline demand numbers Um, we're anticipating corn grind to be down around 50 percent of last year's levels for april and may and then to start ratcheting back up into the summer uh... we hope that it ratchets back up in the summer that's not something we can guarantee That's more of a hope than it is a confidence um, at this point uh... we need a lot to happen meaning both the coronavirus needs to um, be in our rear view window and we need to see the price war between russia and saudi arabia in our rear view mirror as well and we don't know really factually when either one of those will happen so It's going to get uglier, just like the stock market is at risk of lower values. I've heard expectations this morning in some of the business networks from people in the energy industry that we could see single-digit crude oil prices before this is over. And I know the crude oil analysts are famous for projecting prices above the market on bull markets and below on, on bear markets but if we face that kind of risk with the crude oil market, we certainly face more downside risk with the corn market as well.
1: What about China's purchases as we look at the phase one trade deal, where they're at? Great opportunity for China to be a
4: buyer right now. And, uh, Let's hope they take advantage of it. We do see some encouraging signs. Obviously, they made the purchases a couple of weeks ago of corn, soybeans, and wheat. The soybeans is mostly just to fill in some holes. I think they'll be a more aggressive buyer as we get into the last half of this year and especially into the uh, July forward time period on soybeans. Um, But corn and wheat, I think there's opportunities for maybe a million more metric tons or maybe a bit more than that yet. Uh, We'll see Um, when it comes to distillers grains, there's been some big interest. The problem is they've been delayed trying to get the paperwork done for removing anti-dumping tariffs. By the time they get that done, there may not be uh, many distiller grain supplies left at an affordable price. So that could be a problem with them with ethanol shutting down.
1: Harlan, there's been a lot of speculation about how do you restart an economy that's virtually shut down and, of course, it all depends on when uh, the the COVID-19 medical part of it's behind us. From the economic standpoint, how do you see this restarting?
4: Well, you're right on on the when part because uh, the the relief package that Congress passed, its goal was to put money in the hands of workers and non-workers so that once the fear of COVID-19 is passed, they will – be quicker to go out and start spending once again. And the relief package also had a significant amount of money in for loans for corporations and for direct relief for small businesses to help them keep people employed so that they had jobs so that when COVID-19 in rearview mirror again, they'd have confidence to go out consuming again. The longer it goes, the more that money runs out, the layoffs happen, and we do irreversible damage to many companies so they're not able to rehire or gear back up again. So if we can get through this quicker, we have a better opportunity for a quicker comeback. It's longer than the comeback is delayed and takes much longer to happen um, and we have to make sure as has been said the cure isn't more painful than the problem to a great extent much of what's been to the this, uh, this point there will be a price for it down the road it's, but it's probably a price we needed to pay I fear going forward now that Congress in their enthusiasm may overdo it and go too far and create more pain uh, in other words a cure hurting more than a virus itself so it's a balance that we have to keep in mind
1: I saw an interview with someone with the restaurant industry the other day and brought up some good points, said, you know, some of these restaurants that got closed, they have food that they can't keep, some of that will be lost, they'll have that expense. Uh, when they do get to reopen maybe social distancing still applies you may not be able to put as many people at least at first in 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 the restaurants themselves so that limits their income ability there so it, it just shows that it's going to take quite a while to get this back up and going yeah
4: i asked our team member in in shanghai though i talked to her every monday morning about that this week and uh, he said yeah the the metro is busy people are going back to work restaurants are much slower tables are spaced further apart people are afraid to go to the restaurants to eat so the restaurants are one of the slower sectors of the economy to recover
1: yeah it's gonna it's just a, a process that's for sure uh real quick is there much corn moving in the countryside right now
4: There really isn't,
1: and uh, that's a real concern. Of
4: course, farmers are waiting to see if there's going to be another stimulus check for them uh, to help pay their storage to keep holding on, but there's simply not much moving. Everyone's kind of in shell shock right now. Yeah.
1: All right, Arlen, thank you very much. Always appreciate your perspective. Stay safe. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You too. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with INTL FC Stone. Well, coming up next, some thoughts uh, from me on what I hope will be at least one of the lessons we learn from COVID-19. And there are many that uh, uh, we are learning, some of them very painfully right now as we go through this pandemic situation. Um, there's a lot of finger pointing and second guessing and armchair quarterbacking, but uh, we're in this together. we got to work our way through it. But as we do, there are lessons to be learned. I'll talk about one of them coming up next. Stay with us here on AOA.
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams well a crisis
1: like the one we're going through now forces us to look at some things that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise and hopefully we'll learn some lessons from this I was thinking about this uh, the other day how much in the last year and a half especially we have talked about ...about China. We have talked a lot about China. I mean a lot. Think about it. First, it was the trade war. Then we talked about African swine fever. Then the signing of the Phase 1 trade deal, and of course now COVID-19. And as much has been said and written about China, probably more should have been said... ...and certainly more should have been done. We had become so obsessed with selling more to China... We were ignoring our growing dependence on them. President Trump received a lot of criticism for being tough on China during the trade war. Well, it turns out we should have probably been even tougher. Now, this is not China bashing. In fact, it's as much about us as it is them. I've pointed out during the debate over the last couple of farm bills that our real farm safety net is not crop insurance or other government programs. But our safety net, our farm safety net, had become China. We were so seduced by their large population and their potential to buy, especially some of our ag commodities, that we either didn't realize or we chose to ignore our growing dependence on China. We've maintained an embargo on Cuba, supposedly in part because they were a communist country while continuing to do business with the much larger and, of course, more lucrative communist government in China. Very hypocritical. We pride ourselves, and rightfully so, on not being dependent on foreign countries for our food. But we have let ourselves become dependent on one key market to sell much of our food. We should have seen this coming. Remember when we were in energy dependent on the Middle East and how vulnerable that made us. Kind of hard to remember now, I guess, with the gas prices so cheap. But some of us that are old enough remember gas lines and how high priced gas was. Remember it wasn't that long ago on the price. Finally, after many years and thanks in part to our domestic biofuels industry, we have significantly reduced that energy dependence. On other countries. We need to do the same with China, not only with our ag exports, but as we are now painfully aware during this pandemic and this COVID 19, we have become dependent on China for much of our medicines as well. Now, none of this means we should stop trading with China. That wouldn't make sense at all. They are a huge country, they're a large population, and we can and should sell to that market. But it doesn't make sense putting too many of our eggs in one basket. And that is something that uh, unfortunately we have done. It's just been too tempting and just seems like we couldn't resist. Now, groups like the U.S. Meat Export Federation, we heard earlier from their president and CEO, and the U.S. Grains Council, these groups do a a great job of developing other markets. It's challenging, and it takes a lot of other smaller markets to make up for the loss of a big market like China. But these groups do a good job of diversifying our, our selling opportunities around the world and therefore reducing our risk when you have a problem with one major buyer. Those groups need more support in their efforts. And, as we have learned now, we need more incentives in this country to bring manufacturing jobs back to this country. We've got to stop exporting the manufacturing of products, such as medicines, to a country like China where we become dependent on them. Look how vulnerable we are. We have a crisis like this, a medical crisis, and dependent on them for the medicines we need to deal with it. There's a lot of finger-pointing among politicians about whose fault this is and what should have been done or should we have been more prepared. Well, let's face it. We are all, in some part, guilty of letting this dependency happen. We've accepted, and we even joke about it, how many things we buy that are made in China or made in some other country. It's just something we've almost accepted now. We don't seem to mind it as long as Those products and those items don't cost us as much as they would if they were made here. We want the lower price. But COVID-19 is no joke. And suddenly, the cost of being dependent on another country is very, very high. We thought we were saving money by being able to purchase products made cheaper in another country, but now we have to ask ourselves. At what price were we saving that money? Now that cost, that bill is coming due, and it's very, very high. It's very, very expensive. You know, there will be many lessons, I hope, learned from this pandemic. We'll see, hopefully in the future, when crises like this occur, that we have learned some lessons and better how to better deal with them, how to better prepare for them. And so we may not get caught as we have been in this one, as unprepared. But hopefully another one of the lessons that we will learn through this pandemic in this crisis situation is not to give ourselves over so much to one particular country. So many lessons hopefully will be learned from this pandemic, and hopefully one of them will be to give more thought and more support to Made in America to some of my thoughts on uh, the situation that we find ourselves faced with now in this COVID-19 tomorrow. We'll continue our look at uh, how it's impacting us. um, As we look at the trade situation, trade deals talks about delaying start of USMCA. We'll get an update on all of that and continue to look at the numbers yesterday from USDA and some market projections as well. But most importantly, be safe, be careful Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA. Cinex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.